Okay, so the comic book trope is where fridging, fridging. Uh, and it it might. What do you think? Okay, so when I say fridging, what do y'all think? I honestly don't know. It sounds it's like inappropriate. Uh, fridging. Um, I'm gonna keep this anger that I have alive and fresh, so I'm gonna put it in the fridge. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> listening to atlas now streaming the podcast where we review your favorite movies television shows and documentaries available on streaming platforms atlas now streaming is produced by atlas medstaff with your hosts jamie zarlingo and allison mergens Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Alice Now Streaming. My name is Jamie. And I'm Allison. And today we are reviewing a show that a few of our fellow colleagues here at Atlas have recommended to us. It is an Amazon Prime original. It's called The Boys. And one of the colleagues of ours that recommended this to us is uh, Brayden Bokes. Bo- I never know how to say your last name. Bokes. It's, it's Bokes. Bokes. I do respond to Boex or Box. Well, thank you for joining us, Brayden. Thank you. Happy to be here. We, I'm sure you guys know who Brayden is. He's a big personality here at Atlas. He's been in a lot of our goofier videos. He's actually going to be in Vegas this year. So if you guys are attending TravCon, make sure you look out for his stickers that are amazing. And I'm actually looking at it right now. They're very... Uh, Yeehaw. They're uh they're about as subtle as I am, so <laughs> but we asked Braden to join us on this episode because not only did he ask us to watch it and review it, but um he's never been on our show before. We're getting into like the thirties as far as like episode yes. numbers. Yeah. And so uh we're really excited to have you with us today. So uh we'll just kind of talk about basic I mean there's eight episodes in this show, so we can't really focus too much on each individual episode. We're gonna go over just kind of the main plot points, the characters that we get to meet, and it goes without saying spoilers. And content warning. This is a very violent show. And uh a lot of language. Yeah. I don't think there's a word they didn't say. A lot of nudity. The C word is said a, a lot. lot. <laughs> so if that makes you uncomfortable, don't watch this um, or get over it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Not really Ear- child appropriate. Earmuffs, kids. Yes. yes. Earmuffs. And um, some very intense uh, themes. Oh, yeah. And... Um, each episode is about 50-some-odd minutes. Um, but like Jamie said, eight episodes, all available on Amazon Prime. Absolutely. And I didn't know this until we started researching this. It's actually based on a comic mm-hmm. by the same name. And um, going along with that content warning, they had to tone down the violence and the language and the nudity and adult themes for the show. Uh, which I'd be, I guess, interested to read one comic to see how they would make it more um, intense. Right. But yes. Uh, it reminds me of like The Walking Dead, like Negan. They had to water him down so much, but The Walking Dead is on AMC, which is televised. 
And, I mean, the amount of swearing that Negan, like the F word, thrown around like every other word. And to water him down, a lot of people were, like, offended by it. Yeah. So I can only imagine how much worse this comic gets. Um, Like Allison said, it is based on a comic of the same name. Um, There's only 72 issues. It was written between 2006 and 2012. So relatively new by Garth Enos and Derek Robertson. It premiered the first season on July 26th of this year. So it's uh, just about a month old. Um, And it's already been renewed for a second season. I guess they uh, announced that before the first season even premiered. So they were definitely thinking this was going to be a hit. And honestly, when Allison and I heard about this show we were not interested at all no i'm not a superhero movie person um i haven't seen any of like the is it justice league or like thor or any of those any of them see you you hush no hush with your nonsense last the last one and i think like really the only franchise i would say that i was interested in was the dark knight franchise same same super into that but um and it has the cast, I would say, is mostly unknowns, like not mm-hmm. really, really big names. But Seth Rogen is a producer on this show, and they have some other um, guys who have kind of been in the superhero universe, action universe, too. Mm-hmm. And Seth Rogen actually does have a cameo as well as like Jimmy Fallon in this, yeah. because this show is about if, if, I almost said serial killers. <laughs> if I've been listening to too much My Favorite Murder. Spoiler. Um, <laughs> yeah, spoiler. Uh, it's in a world where superheroes are, it's like a job. And it's, they're just kind of in society, like celebrities, I was, gods I was almost. trying to think about how you would describe them. And it's like, okay, imagine if like Joel Osteen and Chris Pratt and Ariana Grande and like Beyonce, Kim Kardashian and like some of the other like super big, you know, names out there uh, like Tom Brady, if they were all like in a crew and they also had like amazing superpowers like these Mm -hmm. in the show, they are this huge, enormous, multi-billion dollar worldwide franchise that has movies, action figures, everything like marvel does times 10 because Mm -hmm. they are real and they actually do kind of fight crime so yes so uh we'll we'll get into some of our um big characters here um but we'll start from the very first episode it gets you it lets you know what kind of show this is going to be right away because within what like 10 minutes of the first episode our one of our leads um Huey Campbell played by Jack Quaid who I didn't know was the son of who's it Meg Ryan and Dennis Quaid Quaid. they were married for 10 years where was I probably an infant Uh, in diapers part of that time (laughs) but we they were married in the height of like you got mail sleepless in Seattle I had no idea anyways did you know that Brayden I do now Oh, well, there yeah. you go. There you go. You learn something new every day. Um, so he and his girlfriend, Robin, he's at work. He works at like a, what, like a tech store, kind of like a radio, radio shack, shack type place. So she comes to like pick him up. They're just, you know, being cute, walking down the street. She takes a step off of the sidewalk and I mean, boom. Yeah. Within there's like a slow-mo scene. And I actually, it's funny, Lane, who's been on our show before we're talking about this, we both looked down when this happened. And then we looked back up and we were like, what just happened? We had to rewind because it happened so fast. So Robin literally gets 
ran into by uh, one of the, um, they're called the Seven, which they're like the elite superheroes of the world. And there's obviously seven of them. And one of them, A-Train, he's the fastest man in the world, literally runs through her and she explodes. Yeah, it's... He's left... He was just left holding her dismembered hands. Yes. And so he's obviously distraught and wants to uh, (laughs) seek revenge on A-Train, which he used to, I wouldn't say idolize, but he, you know. He had the action figure. Yeah. He had the posters. Respected him, liked him. He, I forget how he gets hooked up with uh, Billy Butcher, played by Carl Urban, who is this very like rough English, uh, he says he's part of like the CIA or like the FBI and I forget how they get connected. Well, they go to Vought, which is like the big company that kind of runs the superheroes. And they're like, we'll give you the lawyer show up. We'll give you a settlement. He says no, because you have to sign an NDA. And I think Billy must find him at the store or he's following him or something. He hears about this. And uh, we come to find out that Billy is kind of get, trying to get revenge on on Vought and Homelander specifically, who's kind of like the Captain America. Yeah, he's like the embodiment of like... He's Superman. I yeah. mean, all of these characters in the Seven, it's the Justice League. Yeah. Like each of these characters has a direct parallel to the Justice League. And um, it's kind of... We'll, we'll get into kind of what that it, means. It's almost on the nose. Yeah, as we as we get into the themes. But, uh, but yeah, Billy kind of hooks up with Huey and he's like, look, I want to help you, you know, get justice for Robin because A-Train's apology is super lackluster. Like he's just kind of, oh, sorry, man. Like doesn't really care. There's even a scene and it's really cool how they do this where he, you know, like, like celebrities do meet up with sick kids in the hospital and um, it's like a Facebook live and there's all these reactions, you know, when you're actually watching a Facebook live video and uh, he's like, oh, yeah, man, you know, once you're out of here, I'll help you, you know, run as fast as me. And the kid says, it's so sad. And it, again, kind of gives you the tone of the show. It's very, very dark humor. Uh, he's like, can I outrun cancer? Run faster than cancer. And then all the reactions change, like sad, angry. Yeah. A-Train's just kind of like, oh, oh. shit. Yeah. It's... When he's trying to sell it because the kid wanted to see one of the other seven. Yeah, he don't even want to see him. Yeah, he wanted to see Translucent was his fave. The other main character in this, I would say, I would she's probably the main, is Annie, who is... Annie January. Annie January, who is actually Starlight. And she pretty much auditions. She's gifted, born gifted. And she auditions to be part of the Seven, and she gets it. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of thrust into this crazy thing. I she's kind a Western girl, yeah, from Des Moines, from like a Christian family. So she's like, she has all these like very, like you know, small town values, and so it's a complete upside, like one eighty for her. It reminds me of when in the Hunger Games when they put Katniss on stage because she's been chosen as a tribute. And she's like kind of thrust out there all done up in front of this huge crowd of people. That's like what it reminds me of. And, um, you know, she kind of gets thrown into this crazy thing and has all these people excited and, and cheering for her. Meanwhile, there's this other side story going on that is kind of the ugly underbelly of Vought with Huey and Billy Butcher kind of going going after them. 
Yes, we learn basically each episode how deep this corruption goes. And uh, through Starlight, we also see how, you know, people, the seven are more, not product placement, but they're just how, like, they get given tasks of, like, crimes to fight. And then the news just, like, shows up to get you know footage of them like say it's lit you know and it's just very fake and it's, contrived well it's commercialized it's yeah. all it the whole company it's all marketing it's business yeah it's not real crime fighting it's I've, what can get you know reactions what can get shares what can give them more money right and they're trying to sell uh you know these superheroes their their plan for va is to have a superhero in every town so uh Madeline, who kind of runs, I would say, like the marketing department of all of this, is I trying. Think she's to, VP. Like is she, she VP. Yeah, she like runs almost everything. She's trying to sell like the Nubian prince to Baltimore for three hundred million dollars a year to like protect the city, essentially. And so it's like a whole money making scheme on top of that. And you know the these superheroes they're not all as prim and proper um, on tv even behind the scenes when they're not doing anything necessarily evil they are just kind of assholes like deep pretty much who's played by chase crawford our girl fans out there um manipulates annie into performing oral sex on him so that he doesn't so that she can like you know get in with with the seven with all oh, the crew it's so gross and like ew. well and it's i mean sexual violence is such a huge theme in this mm-hmm. show i mean there's i counted seven major like plot changing moments of like sexual violence in this show mm-hmm. out of eight episodes yeah yeah and that one was uh, yeah just kicks it off and it's hey she's gotten this new job that she's worked her whole life for like it's her goal it's where she wants to be and then realism you know like the reality crashes back down and she's being sexually harassed by a coworker. yeah mm-hmm. totally happens every day happens every day and um you know meanwhile you know uh billy is trying to get huey to infiltrate them in a way so he actually goes to try and sign his little nda and he plants a bug mm-hmm. in the in the boardroom but translucent who oh he finds out yes he, he finds can, out you know he's invisible he carbon skin that he can change the way that light reflects off of it or something like that so he ends up following him back to the store that he works at where this big confrontation between billy and translucent and huey kind of takes place and there's this big fight scene and it's great and awesome and then huey uh, electrocutes translucent because he has this carbon skin Mm -hmm. and they're able to trap him um in some holding place with a couple of billy's old friends uh frenchie and mother's 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 milk mm an amazing name and they're basically trying to figure out how to kill him in a way or use him as as blackmail but they know they've got some sort of tracker on all of these guys they don't want to be find, found out otherwise their plan to infiltrate Vought is going to be you know foiled yeah what was i trying to think of what i was trying to think of? 
Foiled. Foiled again. Foiled it. <laughs> so those meddling kids. Foiled it. So um, <laughs> throughout all of this, you know, Annie's trying to figure out her way. Her and Huey are actually like kind of together, but he doesn't know that she is a super yet and vice versa. She doesn't know like what he's doing on the side. They just like meet on like a park bench. Yeah. And, and they just, just kind of hit it off. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out, you know, Billy and Frenchie. M.M. and Huey, they're trying to figure out how the heck to kill this guy. Then they're doing all these things because he's got diamond skin. And, um, you know, after a couple of failed attempts, they finally figure out, okay, we got to knock this guy out. And, you know, he's got diamond skin, so we got to blow him up from the inside. So what do they do? Shove some C4 right up his rectum. And... uh, Then they wrecked him. They wrecked him. Then they wrecked him. Huey actually... Huey is the one who wrecks him. He has, like, a moment where he's, like, trying to, like... He has this, like, moral dilemma, like, should I do it? Should I not do it? And Translucent can see that. He's like, I know you don't want to do this. And he's, like, walking away, like, like escaping. And at the last second, Huey, like, you know, hits the, the button and he explodes. And he reels with this for a while, you know, kind of accepting that he didn't really know what he was getting into. And now he murdered somebody. He murdered – I mean, it's like if one of us killed, you know – like Beyonce or something, you Don't know, like this person. And ever I ever talk about Beyonce like that. I'm so sorry. I just that was the first person I could think of. You, you think a little harder. Uh, <laughs> I, if one of us killed I, mm-hmm. Billy Ray Cyrus, I don't. know. Okay, Lil Nas well, that, X. That, these now these are starting to feel personal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, breaking but, my achy breaky heart here. But really, it's. <laughs> It's as if, you know, you killed one of the biggest celebrities in the world. Yeah, and he's just a normal guy. Yeah. But, yeah, up until that, like, that moment, he had been, for the most part, kind of an unwilling... Participant. Like, participant to Billy Butcher and his, like, devious schemes. Like, he kind of had deniability, like, I didn't know this was all going on. I was against my will. And then he pulls the trigger, and, like, he's kind of in it. But he still wrestles for the rest of the show with that... Like I still don't want to be doing this, but he still, still killed a guy. Yeah, like he's he's in it. He has a lot of like triggering moments too, where he has like flashbacks, and he, he there's like a ringing sound where it's almost like he's about to you know explode or have this like rage moment. And just and he it, keeps seeing Rob and his girlfriend. Yeah, in like certain certain like situations almost and like whatnot. reminding him like why he's doing this in the first place to you know avenge her death and it's almost like sometimes he loses sight of that a little bit but he, he does come back to it in the end but uh once translucent dies um homelander is trying to figure out what happened to him and they the deep what he's able to talk to fish and they find this like crate underwater filled with his remains skin yes because it's diamond skin and that's how they find out he was killed but Vod doesn't really understand they're trying to figure out what happened madeline's trying to kind of like push homelander to figure she's actually trying to push it all under the rug like oh he's fine he'll turn up and homelander's like no like something is going on right well yeah i mean her job is marketing and the at like throughout the show she's also working on this major deal to kind of push Vought and the superheroes to this next step so her idea of taking care of this is he's invisible lucky us 
he's on a secret mission, but you can't see him. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to ride that until everybody forgets. But Homelander takes everything so personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has different. He has a lot of issues, mostly like mommy issues. But we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, meanwhile, you know, they, the Billy and his crew have kind of been following A-Train. They realize that he has a girlfriend who's like a class C superhero pop claw. And they bug her apartment or they get into her, all of her webcams and stuff. And they discover that he, A-Train, is getting some sort of substance or something um, from her keeping it at her place and they're kind of tracking him and following him around because he doesn't really know who they are. He doesn't recognize their faces mm-hmm. and realizes that uh, he has been taking some sort of substance or drug. That must be why he's so amped up and it's uh, a drug that he takes bef- right before this race that he has to do mm-hmm. with Shockwave, another another hero. And they end up finding this guy who is part of the Triad Gang, which is a real gang of, um, I believe it's Chinese, a Chinese gang that's in China and then also in the U.S. And they discover that this is where they have been getting this drug for for these soups. That is like an mm-hmm. enhancing drug. While like they're there, steroids basically. Yeah. While they're there, they discover a woman who. It would appear has had some sort of damage done to her, but she's got superpowers. Like she's supercharged, mm-hmm. the female, and um, they're trying to, you know, contain her. Meanwhile, hide from these triad guys and these guys that are kind of moving, you know, the the medicine around or the this drug around. And um, there's also um, a little side plot that kind of continues their investigation where Huey goes to this, uh, like, Capes for Christ, uh, like, initiative run by Ezekiel, this very, very Christian religious, like, music festival. He also has superpowers. He can stretch his arms. I think he's just, like, like Elastigirl, basically. Mm-hmm. And he goes there to extort him because he has proof that he, you know, being this, you know, in quotations, religious leader, he preaches, you know, pray the gay away. And he actually has footage of him at this, like, basically it's like an underground bar where all these soups go, where they can do whatever they want, mostly a lot of sex acts. And he is seen with other men. And so he's trying to get more information from him on the drug. And we find out it's called Compound V. And so Compound V... Um, Madeline knows about it too. She knows about Compound V, but she, I don't, I would venture to say she doesn't know per se that they're dosing with it, that like A-Train is dosing with it mm-hmm. or all these other soups are using it because Popclaw is, um, one of the, the soups that, that uses it and, uh, actually ultimately has, one of the, another violent sexual scene mm-hmm. where she basically crushes a her landlord her landlord's face between her legs, and uh, Billy and the rest of the guys um, come and find her, and they basically blackmail her and say, "We'll help you out, get rid of this body, and clean everything up, but you got to tell us where you get the compound B." I'd say probably one of the most harrowing scenes in the entire show because it's so 
it reminds me so much of 9-11 and I think that that's the point Mm -hmm. is the scene where there's this plane that's been hijacked and um, one of the other uh, seven Queen Queen Maeve or uh, Wonder Woman if that's easier for you yeah (laughs) Um, Queen Maeve and Homelander go to save the people on this plane they kill I think three of the hijackers and everything seems safe, but then they go to the cockpit and there's still a guy there. He shoots the last pilot and the plane's going down. Well, his laser eyes destroy. Yeah, he destroys the the control like, panel, basically. He's like, oh, and let's get out of here. So he, yeah, Homelander's basically like, we're just going to leave and let all these people die. And uh, Maeve is like, no, we, we can't just let these people die. There's even a few children on the plane, and this woman's like, please take my daughter, please take her. And uh, it's just a kind of a really disturbing scene where Homelander, you know, threatens to kill everybody and, like, just abandons them all. And Maeve is reeling with this, too, after the fact. Um, Homelander's on the news talking about... This is... We kind of skipped over this, but there's this huge push for superheroes to be uh in the military and so he kind of uses that as a way to say this never would have happened if we had that kind of intel kind of like saying that we need to start a war essentially we need to have Mm. these big grandiose like plans and flex our muscles and show that we have this world power so we can take over anyone does that sound familiar to anybody? Yeah. So, um, so that was that was kind of difficult personally to watch because it is very reflective of of modern times. And uh, basically, we find out, you know, why you know why does Billy Butcher hate superheroes so much? What what is his end game here? What is his goal? And we find out that Homelander raped his wife and his allegedly. wife allegedly. Allegedly. That I. I feel like a real asshole pointing that out, but... No, I agree. Allegedly. We have basically what Billy Butcher thinks happened, but he doesn't really have anything to support anything. Yeah, that's true. Cliffhanger. Again. But she goes cliff- missing after it happened, so we don't know. We don't... We don't. We only have his perspective. We don't yes. really know what else is going on. But she's, that's like, presumed dead or she's missing, and they don't really know what happened. The last person she was seen with was Homelander, and then she disappeared after that. And it's been, what, like 10 years or something? Since, I think it's been eight years. Eight years since she'd gone missing. So that is, like, Billy is, Billy's a vendetta and why he's trying to bring all these people together and seek revenge. He's after the truth and for vengeance for his wife mm-hmm. well his assumption comes from the fact that she worked as like homelander's like head social media person like they work yeah. directly together mm-hmm. as they get into vi you know they uh, have learned and discovered that the compound v that is this you know drug that they use as steroids is actually something that vat created and none of these people were inherently born with the powers. They were manufactured since mm-hmm. the early 70s. With NICU babies. With NICU yeah. babies. They discovered it as a polio, or they disguised it as a polio vaccine and had been shipping underground. And basically, these these super charities, they would pay the medical bills and say, we're going to turn your kid into a superhero. And 
Huey actually tells Starlight this and she gets, you know, pissed off because all she ever wanted to do was save people. And since she has become part of this seven, she really hasn't done much of any saving. She's just been paraded around, you know, like, like a little pony. We find out about this, the truth about where Compound V came from. And we find out that um, Vought has been basically injecting all of these like terrorist groups to prove that oh the only way that we can defeat them is with superheroes i didn't think that was vought i thought that was homelander no, it was homelander yeah. okay homelander i know i thought went, it was vought too yeah homelander went rogue because in his mind you know his past we see a couple of flashes of his past is very different from what his marketing is and what like he identifies as is like a midwestern like superhero here to save america that sort of thing mm-hmm. and so then he kind of he creates supervillains because for marketing and to push and because that's what he thinks is going to get him the love and affection that he's so desperately craving mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that all kind of comes together because another super named mesmer who's played by Haley joel osment <sighs> who's been on two of our other shows uh-huh. that we have done. <laughs> he basically turns these guys over and gives them the surveillance footage. They, Homelander's looking at it. He kind of figures it all out. They put the pieces together. They realize Billy is Becca's husband. Huey and Starlight are together. So they have this meeting of the seven where Homelander is like, uh, your boyfriend killed Translucent, and now we have to go after him. And meanwhile, Huey is telling Annie slash Starlight the secrets of of all of this, you know, craziness. And um, A-Train goes and basically holds his dad, Huey's dad, hostage because he says, you know, he's going to get revenge. He's going to kill him and whatnot. They end up bringing the female in who they don't know. Nobody knows who she really is. And they... Uh, you know, break his legs and get all of that, you know, they, what am I trying to say? They incapacitate him. Billy goes back to his mentor who is kind of like uh, the way that Billy is to Huey. Mallory is to Billy and kind of jump-started him on wanting this vengeance. Uh He learns all this other stuff about, you know, Uh, compound v and that his wife you know did have this relationship with with um with oh my god homelander thank you and homelander himself meets with a doctor who kind of started this whole thing and is told that becca had uh a baby that clawed its way out of her meanwhile madeline tells him that she had a miscarriage so Homelander doesn't really know what what has happened and he realizes that you know he's being lied to as well by this by this corporation of <clears throat> by this corporation of people um and then this scene's pretty he uh basically burns her brain with his laser vision and just Burns her. Burns, yeah. Because she's she's dead, in case that's not clear. She did. Yeah, she definitely died. Billy thinks that, (laughs) you know, Madeline is his his one weakness. So he's there to kind of 
try to have some control over Homelander. Meanwhile, Starlight and A-Train have this big fight scene where A-Train ends up having a heart attack and we think he croaks. Yeah, we don't really know. He's dead. Um, And then it all kind of comes to a head after, you know, Homelander lasers Madeline because she lied to him and she says I'm scared of you and that's kind of why she lied and it all kind of ends with uh Billy trying to blow up Homelander doesn't work and he wakes up in the middle of this yard and Homelander says you know you've been out for so long wake up and uh this little boy comes out of this house followed by Becca Boom. Boom. Twist. Huge cliffhanger. Twist ending. Yes. Yep. So hopefully we get to learn more from Becca's point of view. And what happened. Homelander says to the little boy, I'm your father. Yeah. And Billy's like, pretty intense note to end on. What the heck? His, his face looks so pained. It's it's awful. Just everything he's gone through up until this point to find out that his wife has been alive this whole time with a child, with the man who supposedly sexually assaulted her and something i read about the difference in the comics is she actually is dead in the comics right i didn't get that far in the comics so i'm pretty sure that she's supposed to be dead or at least the child is supposed to be dead but when they made the show they wanted to keep the child because this character that has parts you know half is you know a person he loves more than anything in the world and half someone he despises more than anyone in the world they're like we that we have to keep a character like that so i could be wrong so if you guys are up to date on the comics please you know drag me for that but i'm pretty i'm pretty sure what i read that's what it said but so this is the first season second season we're not sure when that's coming out but we do know it is happening and they already uh, started filming for it in yeah. June and they announced a week before the show premiered that they were going to come out with a second season. Yep. They did all the filming for this uh, between June and October of last year, mostly in Toronto. So I imagine our July next year that they're going to have season two ready to roll. Before we get into some of the deeper and pretty dark themes of this show, we are going to talk about what else we are watching. Now let's take a quick break for our segment, Side Streaming, where we catch up on some of the other content we're currently watching on Netflix, Hulu, Prime, and more. So, Allison, what are you watching? Well... I spent a lot of my time watching the show this past weekend, but the other show that I have been watching that I am absolutely obsessed with is Mindhunter. Mm. Um, Season two is out. It is kind of about um, the FBI and how they developed this like psychological research protocol in a way of um, predicting behavior of serial killers. So in the first season, they interview like Ed Kemper and a couple other people. And um, it's just so fascinating. It takes place in the 80s. This guy named Holden is like the main character. In the second season, they're poised to interview uh, Manson 
and um, it is just absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm also watching Bachelor in Paradise for those of you who want to judge me. Judge me, but it's pretty good this season. Judged. It's the most dramatic season of Bachelor in Paradise we've ever had, according to Chris Harrison, which isn't every season super dramatic. I don't know what else I'm going to watch this this weekend. I know we have a lot of time now. We don't have a whole show to watch. Braden, what else are you watching? Well, I have this really cool new Sherwin-Williams paint that I've been watching dry. Um, <laughs> I'm funny. Um, no, so I have been watching a couple of things. As always, I have an endless loop of Seinfeld and Parks and Rec. Like, I finish one and I just start the next one. It's almost it's almost a problem at this point. Like, it's I've just never been into in Seinfeld. I, I My dad used to watch Seinfeld when I was growing up, so I... I've watched some of it. I just love it so much. Just watching those characters all, you know, interestingly enough, it's a little bit more or a little less violent and a little bit less of what The Boys is, but it's still a show basically about four people that are just nonstop self-destructive. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. So maybe that's a theme I'm drawn to, but, (laughs) you know, God, I should should look inward, maybe judge myself a little bit from that. Uh, Parks and Rec. Season two, episode two hit <laughs> yesterday. I just love Parks and Rec so much. I love it's Ron so, Swanson. It's so good. Ron Swanson's kind of like a like a goal or like a hero for me. I actually found a Ron Swanson themed button down shirt online. You need to be a lot yes. less goofy and a lot more like quiet and smile <laughs> less if you're going to be a Ron Swanson. I don't think I could ever be a Ron Swanson. I just want to take some of his values and apply them but I like bring me all the bacon and eggs you have really that but I also like (laughs) you know there's always a little uh Tommy Fresh like you gotta have Mm. a little Tommy Fresh in your life you know treat yourself and all that yes so I I like to think I'm married to a Ron Swanson yeah I think I Jake and I say all the time that he's like a young Ron Swanson just hasn't got he hasn't fully evolved yet to the Ron Swanson yeah but uh he does like woodworking he loves meat Bacon and eggs. All the bacon and eggs. And uh not a lot. Is pretty uh all Jake, that you have. Yeah, all that you have. Um Jake does some woodworking. Oh, he does a lot of woodworking. He's he's crafty. Um I also am watching Parks and Rec, as always, switching between Parks and Rec and the office constantly. Um So I have to ask Parks and Rec or The Office? Ooh, like, have yeah. we have we gotten into this on the show? No, we haven't. Tooth um, and nail, I will fight anybody that thinks that The Office is better than Parks and Rec. I kind Parks of have to agree. Is perfect. I, I mean, The Office is is like funny and hilarious, and there's so many good laughable moments. But it's like Parks and Rec is so much more wholesome that I have to get behind it. Well, and The Office never develops any of those characters. And like it, they're it, the like, same in the I, first season and the last season. I just I disagree. Well, it doesn't. I, I, okay, I don't think that I don't think that the office. It just like they kept it going when they should have just ended it. Like the last two seasons are just. I'll give it that. I'll give Parks and Rec that that they ended bad. it when they knew 
quit while they were ahead. Yeah. And they did something a lot of shows don't do, which is skip ahead a few years into the future, which is so funny to watch now because it takes place in 2017 in a post-Trump world, which would have been amazing to see Leslie Nope deal with this kind of stuff. That, <laughs> you know, like the national parks issues. Like, oh my God, it would have been amazing. Unfortunately, that was before the election so we didn't know that was going to happen um <coughs> i will give you that that it did quit while it was ahead the office probably should have ended after season seven but i prefer the office to parks and rec i don't necessarily think it's better i just like it more i i would say parks and rec is more better <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I'm Parks and Rec. The characters and the story, I feel, is way more relatable, more interesting character arcs. But I, they I don't all develop. Know. They I, all become these hey, characters that better themselves Michael from where Scott they were at the beginning. Develops. No, he yes, does he not. Does. He does. The only not. thing that develops is his hairline. Yeah. Okay, no, he got hair plugs. Leave Steve Carell alone. Thank you. <laughs> I think that Steve Carell did a wonderful job playing Michael Scott, but I hate Michael Scott as a character oh, with a passion. He's the wor- oh, he's... but by the end, he's so sweet. Like, Holly makes him such a good person. Right, but yeah. he's not really. Like, yes. he's always, he ha- he comes at everything with the most selfish, but he also the first. best intentions. At first. But he's still a terrible boss. He's not a good person, and he's always falling back on his selfish nature. Like, he doesn't change. He just gets slightly more likable. I disagree. I think he changes a lot. But, you know, we could do an episode just about Parks and Rec versus The Office. That's not why we're here today. Yeah. But I am watching those two (laughs) shows back and forth. And, unfortunately, I also haven't had time to really watch anything besides The Boys. But I have been listening to My Favorite Murder, which is another podcast that you guys should listen to if you're into true crime. It's amazing. I listen to it to and from work, but I do not listen to it when my son is in the car. Not that he can understand it anyway, but it makes me sad because a lot of the stories are about kids. So I do not listen to it when he's in the car because it makes me sad. But other than that, it's super interesting. And it's uh, Karen and... uh, uh, Isn't it Karen Calgriff and and Georgia? Georgia? I don't listen to it. I'm only on episode four, so bear with me. I listen to Stuff Mom Never Told You, and it's like a great podcast for women. So go women. I want to listen to that too. Yes. Anyway, uh, that is what we're watching and listening to now. And now, back to our review. Okay, everybody, back to our review of Amazon Prime's The Boys. Uh, We're going to kind of talk about some of the deeper themes within this show slash comic book series. Um, I really want to talk about, I brought it up in the first half, the scene with the plane crash, which was a little too uh, close. What are you doing? I'm like so excited to He's get into very, this. He has come up to my desk like multiple times since we asked him to be on the show, just exclaiming how excited he I is. I have been. Are you ready? Delving into like the deep stuff here. The deep. The deep. Oh, the deep. I That's a got, stupid name. I've got a it lot is really to dumb. say about the deep. The deep. Oh, God. We didn't even talk about that dolphin. 
No. That he res- rescued. That, that ends up okay. getting Or the lobster. Like anytime he tries, <laughs> any tries, anytime he tries to do better, he just. He, okay, so he. Butchers it. He says this. So let, let's, before we get into that, let's talk about like the characters a little bit more. So, like Brayden mentioned, they're pretty much the Justice League. The, it is literally the Justice League. Here, I have a note. In the deep is Aquaman. And so, he can't really do anything else, but he's got those gills. Oh, those gills. oh they're so gross. Ugh, ugh, that scene with the girl like fingering his gills. I was like, I'm uncomfortable for many reasons, <laughs> mostly because the gills. Okay, so let's let's get into that because that's a big part of my like sexual violence. No, we're talking about the this. characters and the parallels first, and then we'll okay. go to that. Okay, go into the parallels. So basically, the boys is DC's The Watchmen. Like, it's a gritty, realistic view of like superheroes in the real world. Except Watchmen, it's hard to relate to the characters, whereas the boys, it's a lot easier to relate to the characters and the stories and the themes so i think that it does a better job than watchmen but you basically have homelander who's superman like that's who he is red white and blue you've got queen mauve who's wonder woman like even wears the the mm-hmm. crown on her head yes um yeah this show is super subtle <laughs> if you haven't noticed you've got a train who's the flash you've got the deep who's aquaman and black noir i would argue is batman yeah, yeah, he doesn't really. He's very ominous. Yep, he's quiet. He does his justice at night with little words and much punching. And then you've got Translucent, who, being transparent, that's um, Invisible Woman from Fantastic Four. No, it's I would uh, say it's the Martian Manhunter. No, who's what's his name? Um, You're looking at two people who Jean- don't yeah, know we, much. We don't about know Justice um, League. Joan, he's the green guy. But one of his powers is the ability to go oh. invisible, except he doesn't have to... The Green get... Lantern? No, not no. the Green Lantern. <laughs> That's who I thought of, too, but we're obviously I don't wrong. know. Um, but there's like also like X-Men. So they kind of pull from all of these um, different, you know... Martian Manhunter. That's oh, who. okay. Whatever. They pull from all of these different franchises, and it's like a motley crew of of superheroes based on these other people but i think it kind of makes it i mean it's a superhero satire yeah for sure for sure you know comparing them to to real life leaders celebrities that we you know hold up on these pedestals like they're gods when they're just as flawed and corrupted as everybody else Mm -hmm. and it kind of shows like the delusion of the superhero fandom in general and how you know corruption or power too much power can lead to corruption even with like uh queen Maeve, you know said that she she started out in the seven because she also wanted to make a difference and now she's burnt out because she realizes she that there is no making a difference yeah she doesn't get to save people anymore and 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 all it is is for like this online clout it's not really about you know, doing things for the, the reason that you wanted to in the, in the first place. Kind of like I think about musicians, you know, or, or other performers. They get into it because they love the art. They're so obsessed with it. And then they decide that like, oh, my God, this is, you know, too time consuming. I'm not going to do anything unless it's for a huge amount of money. And when I'm not doing that, I'm going to take 
or you know partake in debaucherous acts and do drugs and that's what my life is going to be well and queen Maeve has a like a never really addressed alcohol addiction Mm -hmm. like it's kind of referenced a little bit but yeah i mean she's if you look you never see her in the show without a glass in her hand other than Mm -hmm. the like when she's actually on the job Mm mm-hmm that's true. And then we've got like the, you know, the the deep talks about how he is like this kind of token water dude who He's all just a joke. He all says. he can do is is talk to fish, and um, it's so funny. He tries to rescue, or he tries to one. I I thought it was very interesting. He, they make a kind of a nod or a frown. I would a say very obvious <laughs> frown, like, almost like a bow to, to Sea World. Where well, he's again. like, let's get rid of them. Those dolphins down there, they hate it. And they're like, dude, you're like in their promotional campaign. And he tries to rescue one. And I have to admit, I LOL'd when he slammed on the brakes. And the the dolphin flies through the windshield and then gets run over by a truck. Oh, I sad. I was so sad. <laughs> I laughed. I thought it was pretty funny. I thought the dialogue between him and the dolphin was like <laughs> uncomfortably funny. Oh, God. It was... And the lobster. Yeah. There is nothing this show wouldn't touch, including bestiality. Ironically. Yeah. Um, Homelander, to me, kind of seems like a symbol of just like American government. And that's. And here's why I think that because of the whole airplane scene and without getting into conspiracy theories or I'm, 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 I'm I'm towing a very, very delicate line. So please bear with me. I'm so excited to see where you go with this. So there is a lot of speculation about what happened during nine 11, you know, was it an inside job? Was it not an inside job? But that whole scene and how he, if you, if you use him as a, as a symbol of the American government, how he puts on this front, everything's fine. You guys are fine. You're going to live. We're going to save you. And then just abandons them. Because would you rather stay here and die with all of them? Or would you rather... And he doesn't even want to save anybody because then he's like, well, if we save one person, you know... They'll tell what happened. Yeah. And then he comes back down and uses this tragedy to push an agenda. And then further manufactures the fact that these... He says, we supercharge these jihadis to fight. So they kind of manufacture this enemy in a way that like... Al Qaeda before what was it called before ISIS was it Al Qaeda and before that they say the Taliban jihadis like they they suddenly become enemy number one overnight I mean granted Mm -hmm. you know there was definitely some tensions with the Middle East before 9-11 but then it's like enemy number one the Taliban and Afghanistan it's just like something that they made in a way think there's a lot of there, parallels yeah, a to lot that. of symbolism parallels to to real events there and that's why i think he kind of represents that putting on this face of you know being the you know the everyman you know you know saving america saving the world you know representing you know the the commoner but deep down is the most corrupt of them all i think is is pretty interesting i hadn't Oh, gosh. All right. I had not thought of this, but don't... I believe that they refer to the superheroes or the supervillains as potential weapons of mass destruction. Oof. Do they say that? 
I don't Ouch. remember if the actual phrasing came out, but the implication was there <sighs> that they could do mass damage and that superheroes need to get into the war and into the military. Yeah, they're like, now we have somebody to fight. Well, frick. All well, right. And I, I thought that Madeline was the one who... Um, sent off the set that up these these you know jihadis but it was Homelander and A Train and well he well so Homelander did it because he thought that it would make her happy yeah and I think she just represents corporate greed right all they oh. care about is making money all they care about is you know finding a face and Starlight's character too I feel so bad for her she's this little Des Moines girl who you know just wants to make a difference and be a positive role model and they change her costume into this very sexy very revealing costume and she doesn't want to wear it but they basically tell her you don't have a choice this is, what, this is your brand this is what you're gonna do you don't and have she, to show your body that way but um then you won't be part of the seven right and she has this kind of like a meet and greet type thing and this little girl comes up to get her autograph and she starts getting cat called by um you know these just these jerks in the audience yeah they're Star- like starlight does not yeah. the little girl yeah yes and it's like show me your tits and it's like do you know that she could obliterate you with her eyeballs like <laughs> wow well, and the I, little girl has the like old, costume. old costume but she's saving up her allowance because she wants to buy the new costume oh, that's so sad because, like the, all of her all of her plot points are very representative of i think like the me too movement and uh just uh just women's not women's rights but just women's issues and how we're portrayed in the media and how we are portray- how we're expected to be and look and how her value stopped being about her powers and her abilities to save people and about just how pretty she could look and just being this face and especially when she goes to this you know religious festival how she has to put on this this face of you know being a virgin and then she completely steps all over that and it's like actually no like I believe in God but you know I don't think that these things are right and these messages they're making me tell you I don't think they're right and so I thought that was really interesting you know talking about religious corruption and, uh, Brayden, you said you had a lot about, like, sexual assault, like, the theme of that within the show. Yeah, so, and I I want to go in, I have so many different directions to go, because, boy, does this show give up a lot of material in terms of, like, sexual violence as a major theme. Like, every episode has some sort of major assault, or and it's all peppered with other minor assaults, but I would argue, so going back to your Starlight kind of line of thought is i think that starlight is one of the i think she's the only character in this entire show that's not innately driven by her own greed like she is the idea of a superhero and i want to do better and i this like this is my goal because i want to be a better person whereas like the closest person to being driven by any sort of selflessness is maybe Huey. And even he's driven by like revenge and Mm -hmm. destruction, Mm -hmm. but every single, every single character is driven by their own greed, their own self advancement, their own desires. Um, Except black nor we don't know what they about. So yeah, he's only driven by justice. Yeah. He's only driven by justice and the dark. (laughs) Um, Yes. But yeah. So, sexual violence um 
like Starlight is the first recipient of that in like the first episode where the deep forces himself on her in the workplace, you know, just meeting somebody for the first time. And she happens to mention that when she was growing up, she had a crush on him. And so he takes that as, as an opening to, to rape a coworker. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, translucent, he is, um, and I told Jamie this, that the, the nudity that we see is really only uh, that of males. Mm-hmm. As far as I recall, there is full frontal nudity of um, a couple of the male characters in Translucent. He, you know, he sneaks around the bathroom and he's like totally, he has to be totally naked so that he can be Translucent. But he kind of like spies on these girls in a way. And also Homelander can see through everything except zinc. So we have to assume that he is, you know, using that x-ray vision in a way. Him and Madeline have a super weird vibe mm-hmm. sexually. I Ugh. very editing. It's a mother thing. Yeah. Like I wonder when they do like she looks like she's you know, he has, Homelander has this extreme jealousy of Teddy, her baby. And then she tries to, like, almost breastfeed him. I'm like, was she a nurturer of him? Because Homelander was, like, the only one that was kind of raised in the lab. Because that the doctor said, when I raise my subjects away from their mothers, they become, you know, hardened and evil. But except for you, you were my biggest mistake. But you actually turned out pretty okay for, you know, not having a, a mother. So... It lends me to think that Madeline was some sort of nurturer to him, and now he's betrayed because of the of Teddy of this little baby, and she freaking lied to him, and you know his maternal betrayal. But the, their weird sexual encounter in her office. Oh God, it was so uncomfortable. Uh, where they they actually have intercourse is really weird, and I didn't know what was going on. It was gross. What else do you got, Braden? Okay, I want to talk about the deep. Okay. So, what are y'all's impressions? Like, what do you think of the deep? Like, what's your? He's handsome. Like as as a, as a character. As a character, <laughs> yeah. As a character, like, what do you think of him? Knowing the full arc, everything that like he does, he doesn't do things that happen. To, like, what do you think of the deep? I have very conflicting feelings about him because he starts off so skeezy and gross, mm-hmm. and then he becomes very sad. And, like, basically once uh, Madeline finds out about the assault, she's like, you're going to go on a sabbatical. She sends him to Sandusky, Ohio. He finds out he's been kicked out of the seven, and then he gets, like, horrifically depressed. And that's really the last we see of him. And, like, sexually assaulted by a a woman when they are, like, having sex. She, like, like I said earlier, puts her fingers into his gills and he doesn't like it. Her whole hand. Ooh, that was disgusting. I I missed that scene. (laughs) It was a long one and it was rough to watch. That was, like, the only part, honestly, like, the only part of the whole show out of everything that that I was, like, ooh, I don't like what, like, Ugh. So so, what is your opinion? Because I honestly don't know how, how to feel about him. I think that he was just like this pretty boy that, you know, they Amazon did a promotional thing where they sent out all of these calendars with Deep in like the calendar. I know he was in at least one of them. He's like, you know, this, this pretty boy who 
has been pushed down because all he can do is talk to fish and like swim underwater and so he's kind of just like a bully and he'll he'll flex his muscles as you know he can on new people and on women but he's like he's sad he's horrifically depressed and then like that lobster gets killed and he's like (laughs) that is so freaking funny so I mean, he tries uh, to rescue the dolphin. That is so funny. So, like, how, what does all of this mean then for him? Like, why is he such a piece of shit in the beginning? I think he tries well, to I be th- like Homelander and he can't get away with it. Right. He doesn't, he's not ever going, like, he's Aquaman. Like, he's never going to be the guy. Like, he's just a, he's at best a secondary member that he wants to be second in command he wants to be like he wants his power he wants the same sort of admiration but i think that he feels objectified because he's the pretty guy you know he's the face that they only put out for promotional type stuff but does any of the his background does any of it excuse what he did to starlight Mm -mm. and then going forward from that i agree it doesn't i don't think it does but going forward so he is obviously he's a perpetrator of these like assaults and clearly it's something that he does on the regular because it's implied that this is a conversation that, that Homelander has had to have before. So he's like, he's a shitty guy, but then he is assaulted in a similar way. Are we supposed to feel sorry for him because he is also a victim or are we meant to just keep thinking well, good, you're finally getting what's coming to you because you're, you did this, like you deserve this. Like how, I don't know what they want us to feel and I don't know how we're supposed to feel, but I think it's an interesting take on assault and. Like like a, a cycle of yeah. it. Like, you know, it happens to him. I mean, it doesn't happen to him first, but who's to say that it hadn't mm-hmm. happened to him before? Well, I think, and don't most studies show that people that commit like assaults, like they have been history. Assaulted. Yeah. They have been assaulted before. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe we'll find out more maybe. about him. I, th- I mean, I feel bad for him in a way just because he was like violated and I don't think anybody should have their like autonomy put into question despite maybe what they did. Cause that's like inhumane, but um, also like, people believe in karma so if you put good karma out there you're gonna get good karma in return i just think that he's like he's such a strange character and he his like storyline so so far deviates from the rest of the seven because he kind of sets himself apart by the sexual assault in a way i think he i don't know he probably saved himself from being um killed by billy and the boys in a way don't you think the fact that he was in Sandusky, Ohio, he wasn't in the way for them to mm-hmm. for them to take out. I want to go back to the comic book like correlation or the comic book side of this. So, okay, so there's a thought, and this is something that launches Huey on his journey in this show, and there's something that launches Billy on his journey in the show, and it's actually a comic book trope that I found. It's called fridging, hmm. and to my note okay so the comic book trope is where fridging fridging. uh and it it might what do you think okay so when i say fridging what do y'all think i honestly don't know it sounds it's like inappropriate uh fridging um 
I'm gonna keep this anger that I have alive and fresh, so I'm gonna put it in the fridge. I don't know. <laughs> I was grasping at straws there. Oh man. Yeah, you need to clean out your. I'm sorry. You need to clean out the fridge because that's uh. How far off am I, Braden? Tell all, us. All the way. You're all the way off. Oh okay. My God. You're so, okay. So, fridging is a comic book uh, trope where a female character is injured, raped, killed, or depowered, an event colloquially known as fridging, sometimes to stimulate protective traits in a male character, and often mm. uses a plot device intended to move a male character's story arc forward. And the reason it's called fridging is actually from an incident in the Green Lantern number nine, uh, 54, which was released in 1994, in which Kyle Rayner... The title character comes home to his apartment to find that his girlfriend, Alexandra DeWitt, had been killed by the villain Major Force and stuffed in a refrigerator. Oh. So you've got Billy Butcher and you've got Huey Campbell who are brought together and driven by these women in the fridge. I mean, Huey's... Girlfriend. Girlfriend. Robin. She's in the show for like four minutes and we know nothing about her other than She's the one that's, you know, kind of pulling him out of his shell. But we get no actual character there before she's just, mm-hmm. she's done. Can you imagine being offered that role? <laughs> I would want to see the special effects, and I could probably oh, be sold on that. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. blow up. I want to see how I'm going to blow up. That's true. Yeah. Um, but then Billy's wife, or, yeah, his wife. Becca. Again, we have yeah. no idea what happens to her until, like, episode six, where we even start to get anything from her and so but it's like this huge part of billy and his drive to do what he does yeah because of this awful thing that happened to a female and that so it's basically saying terrible things happen to a female this man is like i gotta get vengeance slash protection protect her and it propels his arc forward that their their only purpose in the story is to build up the backstory for some male character. Mm. Fridging. Now hmm. you know. Not not at all what I thought. Not so, Certainly not what you said. Last thing I wanted to talk about was um, the music. If you watch the trailer, the song that is featured in the trailer is Wannabe by Spice Girls, which is amazing. <laughs> and they there's also, the scene where they talk they about talk the Spice about Girls. The that's Spice really Girls. funny. I love the, the Spice Girls analogy. Yeah, they're like, baby it's... Spice sucks. They say Posh Spice, she's making clothes for anorexic women. I thought that was so funny. Scary Spice is up to her nose in lawsuits. But they have some really, really good music in here. They've got The Clash, of course, Iggy... Uh, yeah, The Clash, Iggy Pop, um, Spice Girls, I mean, Billy Joel. They R.E.M. Do, R.E.M. They do make some other, like, nods to Billy Joel um, in the first scene. And we've got um, Air Supply, Katy Perry. There's some really, really good music um, in this show that is kind of artfully placed that I'm I'm really into. And Yeah, it was intentional. Yeah, and it, it makes you laugh like i think it's is it everybody hurts when the dolphin is flying through (laughs) no it's wannabe but it's everybody hurts when the deep is like shaving his head oh yeah that is so funny and also why is he shaving his head what's he gonna do swimmers shave shaving everything so i don't know if he was like swimming away like i think he's going on like a journey he's going out to sea from sea to shining sea 
Um, I never I th- thought I would hear Wannabe by the Spice Girls and artfully placed music in the same sentence. You know? <laughs> I think ultimately, you guys, with this show, is there are a lot of themes, there are a lot of motifs, there are a lot of a lot of symbolism in this show. And it, if you know anything about the comics, which I know very, very little, it's supposed to be based between 2006 and 2008. So obviously it was altered to kind of be more reflective to modern society, I'd say. I would like to know how different it is in the comics. I'm not really a big comic book person, but I would I would be interested to, to read a little bit of it to see the differences and maybe how... They are, I mean, there's, the, the symbolism is obvious. It, it can't just be a one-dimensional story in the comics. So I'd really like to see how it's portrayed there. It's definitely modernized in the show. And it's very dark. But, I mean, if you've been paying any attention to anything that's going on in the world, is things aren't so great right now. And I think it's just kind of showing the, the ugliness of of modern times and the corruption of people in power and our delusions with uh, our, you know, people with celebrity status and how they're not who they say they are. There's a quote that this show reminds me of, and it's that absolute power corrupts absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think the tagline for the show is don't meet your heroes. So, uh, except Beyonce. <laughs> Except Beyonce. All right, guys, let's get into our review of the first season of The Boys. For me, I did really enjoy it. I was not expecting to enjoy it. I was a little nervous to watch it. I, When I was talking to Rich about it, I asked, is it like kick-ass? Which I do like kick-ass a lot. As far as, like, violence goes, like, there's a lot of, like, I would say violent humor in that show. Or in that movie, I should say. This is beyond that. And then some. Um, I don't know. I I think you when we kind of broke it down a little bit, there's some conflicting messages. Like we talked about, you know, the gender fluidity, and we might be reaching with that. Who who's to say? But I think for me, it might have been a bit too much at times. It might have been a bit too real, a bit too on the nose. But the story was very interesting. The characters were very interesting. I'm excited to learn more. I'm excited to watch more. And hopefully the second season is a good follow-up to the first. Because sometimes there's this, you know, this huge expectation for uh, follow-up seasons. And it falls flat. I hope that doesn't happen with this show. So my rating is going to be... Can I say like 3.75 out of 5? Because I don't quite feel it deserves a 4 in my opinion, but I don't think it deserves a 3 or a 3.5. I'd say it's just almost a 4 for me. Like I said, I I did enjoy it. It was, I wouldn't say pleasantly surprised how much I liked it, but I I did like it more than I thought I would. So I stand by that. Okay. I am also in between like a full and a half, Um, but I would say it's like over a four, but not quite yet a 4.5 for me. I was really pleasantly surprised about it too. You know, I think that since I'm not that much of a huge fan of or haven't been into Marvel or these other superhero movies and whatnot... I don't know if they have like a huge deep backstory that is actually something that is relatable to regular humans. You know, like Clark Kent 
his backstory with coming from a different planet I can't relate to that, but I could relate if my wife disappeared after, you know, something crazy happened or, you know, my my girlfriend died in a tragic way because of some big corporation and all they're doing is trying to pay off $45,000. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the, the themes of it and the backstories and the emotions of it all, um, I was surprised that I identified a lot more and I could like see it. It was a lot more gory than I thought it would be, a lot more sexual, a lot more just like adult than I thought, but I really liked it. Though I think that there were some times where I was like, okay, pull it back. But I know that they had to actually like cut a couple of other scenes because Amazon said they were too much. Um, So read about that if you're interested Um, because it's too much to dissect in in this episode, but... um, I think that if they stick to a lot of what the comic books talk about, they are going to broach some of those other topics, you know, probably about, you know, this, this fridging. And I do believe that they talk about, you know, more um, LGBTQ plus issues and violence and sexual violence and, and all of that. So um, I'm excited because as we know, Amazon has a lot of great shows um, that do talk about these topics, transparent being the first one that comes to mind. So I don't think they're afraid to address that because you know what? They're their own company. They're going to make, they're going to make their own, you know, show however they see fit, especially with the writers and directors and the team on board. So, um, I am going to say 4.25. I know I'm, I'm, it's not quite a 4.5 for me, um, but it's definitely over a four. What about you, Brayden? Uh, well, because I'm not going to be wishy-washy and make up <laughs> numbers, I'm giving it a 4.5. Okay. I think that it hits a lot of really interesting topics. I think that it delves into a lot of really interesting tropes, both from comic books um, and from some literature type stuff. I think that everything that they did, I didn't think that there was anything in the show really, like sometimes with gratuitous violence and gratuitous sexuality in media like sometimes it's just like okay that was just there for shock value that was just there to get a little you know get a little ass on screen right you know to be eloquent about it um i don't think that that happened in the show i think they did a really good job of using what they were showing to to further some sort of character development or some sort of idea um i i could talk about the show for hours and we obviously talked about it a lot yeah (laughs) but i think that as long i think that amazon is trying to do something here with the superhero the superhero theme which everybody it's super popular right now everyone wants to get in on it but i think they're doing it in a way that's different from everybody else like everybody's just trying to tell the normal superhero has something bad happen goes on to try and save the world I think that this is a different view, and I think they do a really good job of it. And I think that the acting was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. I agree. I think there's a lot of humanity in this show, which is different than, um, you know, other superhero superhero shows. My gosh. Because Maeve says our weakness is the same as as you all. It's humans is our weakness. So I think there's uh, a big, much bigger human element in in this show. I think it's... I was going to say, plus with everything that's going on with Disney and the 
Spider-Man IP right now, if I've mm. got to watch another reboot of Spider-Man where Uncle Ben <laughs> dies, I'm going to kick myself in my own face. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that, uh, you know, for somebody who who doesn't really enjoy the genre, that it is a good show to kind of, you know, it kind of makes fun of itself. It's very self-aware. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. It, but, but at the same time, is very relevant and also it's incredibly captivating i think it's a show that you should watch more than once i may do that because of the so much happens in eight episodes we there's things that we didn't talk about that we didn't have time to um but let us know what you think of the boys and uh if there's anything else out there in a similar genre i'd be interested Thank you for joining us, Brayden. We appreciate you. I'm always happy to be here and we'll talk. Have, we'll have to have you on again. This was fun. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Atlas Now Streaming. Let us know in the comments what you're watching and if you think we should give it a review. Until next time, keep streaming. <laughs>